Ta-da, there's the opening video. Let me just share with you. There is something about this message this morning. Because when I woke up this morning, like I do every Sunday morning, getting ready and getting the breakfast going, and once I get to a point of getting ready, I sit down, open up my iPad, and I, I like to go through the message again and just get it all fresh in my heart while I'm drinking my coffee and eating a bagel or whatever, and opened up my iPad, and I'm like, my message isn't there. So I thought, well, that's okay. Sometimes it doesn't update. Don't panic. Shut that one down. Go get the laptop. Open up the laptop. Open it up. It's not there either. So I went, oh, that's okay. Maybe my phone. And so I went to my phone and opened up my phone. And it's not there. And I kept saying, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Because I, I don't know if you understand, but it's not a minute to put something together. It, it, it's not even an hour just to put two hours. No. It's hours, hours, because God starts putting this little seed in you and this little seed. Anyway, so finally, I don't know, I sat there maybe about 20 minutes, and I kept walking away from it thinking, okay, enemy, you're just trying to rob it. You know, it's not funny. It's not going to work today. Well, finally, I went out to the living room. I said, you got to pray. Brian, you got to pray. The word is gone. The message is gone. I've tried everything. I can't get it. I don't know what we're going to do. And he just sits there looking at me real calm. And I'm like, no, man, you got to pray. <laughs> I can't put a message together in an hour and a half. You don't understand. So he starts getting really serious with me and starts praying. And I went back there, and I just shut it off. I said, well, I guess I need to get ready and go up to the church because I need to put a message together. Kind of know where we're heading since we're in this series, but everything's gone. So I came up here, and I started working. I started putting it together, and... This peace came over me, and I thought, well, if we have to have a spontaneous worship service, <laughs> we'll just do that, Lord, because, you know, I don't want to rush something that I know you birthed in my heart, and that's okay, so I'm not going to, you know, worry about it. And just then I thought, well, I'll go back to, you know, it's this little software that I use, and I jump back into this old folder again, and I'm like, yeah, but it didn't update it. And then I looked at it again, and there was this big, long bar along the side. So I started scrolling way down. And it saved it way under this old message, way under all these notes. And so I text Brian. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Found the message. Everything's okay. Well, then everything. Technology just does not like me today. So, and Brian did you guys, Kevin, you guys did an awesome job. Worship was there. And James, you just preached a good message. So I feel like we've gotten enough words, so we're going home now. No, I'm just kidding. No. I didn't fight this hard not to preach this message. So uh, in the opening video, well, you, you saw. That's good enough. Well, like I said, this is week two into our new series on discipling Healthy Disciples, Making Healthy Disciples. And if you don't know, you will know at least by the end of this message. That's part of our vision statement here. Our vision statement is that Marshall Assembly of God will strive to be a life-saving station of healthy disciples making healthy disciples. And our, if you don't know, our uh, mission statement, that's right, that tells us how we're going to get to that vision is loving, healing, and restoring. So through this series, we're going to be looking at four aspects of discipling and discipleship, which is love, liberate, lead, and yes, even launch. Not in a chair like the video showed you, but 
we are, we are going to be launching. The first two focus on being a healthy disciple, and the last two focus on making healthy disciples. Last week, I'm going to try to go through this real fast. Um, hopefully, by the end of today, I'll have the podcast updated again more technology glitches, and we haven't been able to upload the last few messages, but I'm going to get all those done today by the grace of God <laughs> and some praying over these computers. But So last week we talked about love and the importance love plays in discipleship. In order to be a healthy disciple, I must love God first and then love others. This is our first and greatest commandment. Love is the greatest commandment. If we, we, if we do everything else but we don't have love, we looked at the scriptures, it means nothing. You, you can do any, everything right, live your whole life, loving others, loving God is the only way that it will make a difference. Loving God first and loving others. Everything else, if you do it without love, just it, it's nothing. Love is the fuel that keeps us going, doing what God has called us to do, motivating us, driving us, and as long as we keep that love tank full, we will be a passionate, focused, tenacious, faithful, and a healthy disciple. When walking in love, we notice that there's four things that always, there's four things, there's four things that always, (laughs) yeah, okay, four fingers, it takes four fingers, four things. When Walking in love, you'll notice four things, and they spell out love. The first thing is their language. Their language changes. You can tell what they love by what they talk about. Their obedience. It's obedience and not obligation that they live by. It's not I have to. It's I get to. It's a verse in the Bible, verse 23 of John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey my teaching. They'll do what Jesus told them to do. And E, everyone. They will love everyone, not just the ones that love them back. When they're walking in love, you'll notice those four things. Last week, our application is that we started a love revolution, and we put together these essential bags, I call them, that basically had shampoo, soaps, and toothpaste, and a couple snacks in there, and a little Ziploc bag, and a sticker on there that says, Love Revolution. We gave them the scripture, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And these essential bags we keep in our vehicles so that when we see the homeless people or whoever standing, we're not to judge them. They're on the corner saying they have nothing. You just hand them that bag. And inside there, besides the essentials, is also our business card here at the church. If they need anything, they can get a hold of us. But we also put in there um, Max Licato's, I think it was. Max Licato's, John, um, the... John 3.16, so that track is in there as well. Um, And these essential bags, I I remember I had one in my blazer just um, yesterday. Was it yesterday we went to the Lansing Mall or the day before, Friday? I don't remember. Friday we went up to the Lansing Mall, and I got to see my grandbaby for a while. Sure enough, sitting on the corner, Nick was in the back seat, and guy standing there homeless, so I Rolled down my window, and I started giving the hand. Come here, come here. And Nick goes, no, Mom, no, don't do it. I said, Nick, right, right in front of you is a bag. Just grab, grab that bag. He says, don't give him money, Mom. Don't give him money. I said, I'm not giving him money. I'm giving him something better than money. And he was already up at my window. I said, there you go. And he's, oh, thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you, thank you. I said, see, Nick, it's not all about money all the time. It's about meeting the need. 
Remember, we learned last week that you can't say, if somebody comes up and says, I'm hungry, that you just say, oh, that's nice, I'm sorry. Go be well. But meet their need. Jesus taught us to meet their need. So we started a love revolution. We're going to continue with them and keep those filled. And again, let me remind you, if you need more stickers, more tracks, more business cards, come see me, or you just need help putting those bags together, that's what we're for. So today, we're going to focus on the next aspect of discipleship, which is liberate. Webster's Dictionary defines liberate as to free or give freedom to someone who's being controlled or dominated by a foreign power or an outside power. So turn with me over to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation. The Bible's in front of you. If you don't have one with you, our New International Version, so they'll read just a little differently. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at what it really means to live a liberated, a free life. Starting in verse 12, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then... Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once we were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching. Obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Today's point, we cannot go on to lead others into a freedom we are not living in. Have you ever saw the movie Shawshank Redemption? Dear Lord, that thing's played forever and ever and ever. It's always on. If you haven't seen it, just turn on your TV. It seems to always be playing. I got caught up in this movie, in the storyline. I know it's a book and the movie's not close to the book. I know, I know, I like movies. It gets me through it faster. The main character, Andy, he's in prison serving a double life sentence for murders that he claims he's completely innocent of. But he befriends this man named Red, who's also an inmate, and he starts sharing with his friend Red that there is hope for freedom. I won't always be in this cell. I will get out. And Red keeps looking at him thinking, you're not getting out. No, you're not. And he just, he, okay, yeah, all right, smiles and nods, smile and nod. 
Andy tells Red of his dream of living in a beautiful Mexican coastal town. While Red just shrugs it off as being unrealistic, Andy instructs him, should you ever get out, I want you to visit this specific hayfield and retrieve a package that I am going to leave for you. The next day, Andy's cell is found empty. Beneath the poster, they find a tunnel that Andy had been digging over the previous two decades. Andy could offer hope of freedom to his friend because he was tasting freedom for himself with every spoonful of dirt he carried out in his pockets. He can offer hope. He can offer a taste of freedom because he was tasting freedom. And that's what I want to teach you today is as long as you're tasting freedom in Christ, you have to share that freedom with others. You have to share there's hope. You don't have to stay in that cell. Andy realized he couldn't hold out hope of, for freedom by sitting in his cell doing nothing. Even if it was only one spoonful at a time, he was going to keep digging for 20 years, one spoonful at a time. Our liberation from sin power is a daily choice, sometimes even a minute-by-minute -minute choice. Freedom is a choice that only we can make. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it, is, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We used to do this drama years and years and years ago. And we built a, a cell right on the stage. And in it, Jesus, you know, he dies on the cross. He comes to life again. He, and he rips the chains off the cell. And he opens up the cell door. And the person starts jumping around in the cell because they're free. And Jesus he offers his hand and the person just looks at him, smiles and nods. Yeah, I'm free. And Jesus is like, well, then come out. And they wanted to have the freedom, but they looked around and they liked the cot. The blanket's comfortable. The toilet's not the nicest, but it's there. I've got posters hanging on the walls. It's kind of comfortable in here. I've got friends now. I like the freedom, Jesus. That's nice. You opened the little door for me. But I think I'll just stay right here. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. But you have to choose to step out of that cell. You have to choose to walk in that freedom. Don't let yourselves stay in the prison cell. Don't let yourselves become burdened again by the yoke of slavery. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us us, the captives, in this triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of heaven around to others. He doesn't want us to smell like slaves. He leads us out of the cell, bathes us in his presence and his fragrance, and then sends us out 
to let other people smell the freedom that can come through Christ on us. Two simple choices we must make to live free. It's found in one verse. Turn over to James chapter 4. Simple message on how to live free. One verse. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You want to live free? Number one, submit to God. Give your whole bodies, your heart, mind, soul, and strength to God as an offering. Committing yourself as a slave to Christ and his righteousness. We read earlier in Romans 6. Don't offer any part of your bodies, any part of yourself, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself, every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Every part. You can't just offer some of you. It's like a marriage that takes place in Brian and I are going to celebrate 25 years next month. Mom and Dad celebrate 50 years in October. Dad, could you imagine if Mom says, I want to renew my vows, and she, you say, okay, and you're up there, and, you know, they're renewing their vows, and, and you said, will you give your whole life, mind, soul, strength, and everything over to her? And you said, you know, I think I'll do that one day a week. The other six days, Susie, sorry, but I want to do my own thing. But I'll love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength on Sunday. Yeah, no. She'll say, uh, no. What if he said, I can love you with all my intelligence, but my heart belongs to me? Or, okay, so I'll give you all the ooey-gooey feelings, but my intelligence is saying this is kind of stupid, so, you know, I'm going to keep my own... You know, you got to offer everything. A marriage is everything. And you know what? When you give everything, you get everything in return. If you're talking about being married to God, you are coming into a covenant relationship with God. Everything you have is nothing. But you get everything he has in return. So your little bitty that you think is everything that you can give to God he takes it, and he wraps it in his everything and hands it back to you. Just like James was saying earlier, don't limit God's blessings. Offer your everything because he's got everything else that he wants to give back to you. Submit to God, number one, submit to God. And number two, resist sin. I think it was uh, James and Lauren and I that were talking about that, that don't... Too many people focus on what I can't do. Oh, if I become a Christian, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I can't do this. If you just focused on what you can do, what you get to do, what you get, all the good things, then all the bad things just kind of fall away. It doesn't even matter. It's like saying, I have a, what was our pumpkin car? What, what kind of car was that on? A maverick? 
That was our first cart. I have a, I have a maverick that the floorboards rusted out of, and my wife has to put her feet up in the seat because the snow piles up in there. I have a maverick. God has a Lamborghini. If I trade in my maverick, God wants to give me the keys to the Lamborghini. Yeah, we don't have that. That blazer is the Lamborghini compared to that maverick, let me tell you. But resisting sin isn't about what I can't have. Boy, I like that maverick. That maverick was nice, and, you know, it got me from point A to point B and, you know, whatever. You're missing the point. Resisting sin isn't about what you can't do. It's about staying away from what will rob you. Sin will do nothing more than rob you. Remember, our enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. So anything he can tempt you with is just going to lead you into one of those three, or all of those three. So if you focus on what God has, resisting sin isn't even a struggle. Because sin has been dethroned. Remember, to liberate means to free you from the outside force that wants to control you and dominate you. Because sin has been dethroned, you must continually resist its effort to regain control. It wants to have you. Remember when Cain and Abel, the whole, you know, Cain and Abel, and the one brother said, you know, his offering was accepted, and the other brother's offering was not accepted, so he got mad and he killed his brother. What did God say to him? Well, after he said, where's your brother? And he's like, I don't know, where's my brother? He just killed his brother. He knew where his brother was. He said, if you would have done what was right, would you not have been accepted? But be careful because sin is crouching at your door and it wants to have you. If you just do what you're supposed to do, do what's right, you will be accepted by God. And watch out, because sin is crouching at that door. In Galatians chapter 5, we read verse 1 earlier about it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, so stand firm, don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. But then down in verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. There's love again. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you will not be under the law. Walk by the spirit. Walk by the spirit. The spirit has come. God has sent his son so that you can be free. Remember, today's point is we cannot go on to lead others into a freedom we are not living in. Here's your little disclaimer as I'm closing. Is that one? It's number one. You don't have to be perfect. Remember Andy the whole time. He was still in his cell. 
He was still facing two life sentences. But in his pocket, he held the dirt that was linked to his freedom. So you don't have to be perfect to hand that hope, to offer that freedom to other people. You just have to be tasting it yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Revelations 12.11 says that we triumph over our accuser by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When I woke up this morning, that song was the first thing, and I couldn't get it off my mind. I couldn't get it off my mind. I'm not going to sing it. Don't look at me like that. But it's, the song is, We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When I share my testimony with somebody, it's not so I can lift myself up. It's to point them to Jesus, the one who can open the cell door, that opened my cell door, took me by the hand, and leads me in his, his triumph. Not mine. Not anything I did. And if they say, well, I see what you still do, blah, 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 say I'm still holding on to the hand of Jesus who's leading me in his triumph. And I might stumble and I might fall, but I will always get up the strength of God and keep going. So Paul said, if you just follow me as I follow Christ, we're going to follow him all the way home. There are some of you sitting here today that's been living to please yourself. Today is your day of liberation. Today is your day of freedom. But you have to choose. In Romans 8, it says, God declared an end to sin's control over you by giving his son as a sacrifice for your sin. Let's just close in prayer. I want to pray over the people right now that, like I said, that you've just been living to, to just... Live life all on your own and do things all on your own. And yet you, maybe you just started realizing today that you are living your life and it is in a cell. You haven't been able to taste that freedom yet that Jesus came to offer us. And today you want to. This is your day of liberation, your day of freedom. If that's you, it's simple. All you have to do is pray and and believe in your heart these simple things that, yes, God, you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin, to unlock the door to my cell. And if I just hold on to your hand, if I take your hand, God, that you'll forgive me for everything, for living life on my own without you. Forgive me for that. I take you by the hand, and I will follow you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength out of this cell and into your freedom in triumph, I will always follow you. I commit to serve you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. God, I thank you for sending your son. I accept, Lord, the, the sacrifice that you already made for me, this forgiveness. God, I, I accept, Lord, that the debt's already been paid. God, lead me. Lead me. Lead me. If I tend to start to wander and try to take the reins 
back of my life, control back of my life. Be quick to correct me, God. Keep my ears open to your leading and your guiding. Lord, have your way, have your way through my life, with my life. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you in everything I do, God. Let freedom be on our lips. Let our mouths be a testimony of your goodness all the time, leading us all the time. Don't allow us to become burdened again in the yoke of slavery. God, we just ask that you continue to live that freedom. Pour your freedom through us. There's also some of us today, yeah, you've committed to God, but you haven't been strong in standing firm against sin and resisting sin. Today's your day of liberation, too. Today is your day of freedom. You have to choose, though. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that lives in you. If this is you, and you need to pray for strength that God would give you to stand and to be able to resist sin. Just do that now. Pray, God, I just ask that you just pour your Holy Spirit in me, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Pour in me. I ask for you to just fill me with that Holy Spirit, that strong power, your strong power, to stand against sin, to resist sin. Lord, as I submit to you and resist sin, the enemy has to flee. And I choose, Lord, to just serve you, to submit to you. I ask you, Lord, forgive me when I seem to bow my knee to something other than you. Forgive me for that, God. Or if I seem to run back into my cell or just cower back into my cell and, and want to just be comfortable, forgive me, God, I'm sorry. God, I offer my heart back to you. I keep trying to take it from you and think I can control things better that just seem so foolish on my part. You're God. You're the maker, creator of heaven and earth. You created me. You created each one of us. And you ordained. You wrote out every day of our lives for us. How, why would we think that we can control our lives better than you? God, forgive us. We ask that by your Holy Spirit you'd strengthen us, that we could stand firm and walk or run when you need us to, hand in hand with you, though, God, and be that fragrance of heaven, that fragrance of freedom to people around us, that they wouldn't look at us like we've done anything, because, Lord, we haven't done anything, but they would see you, sense you, smell you, your presence on us, God, and the freedom that comes. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with your Holy Spirit today. If you prayed these prayers and will continue to submit to God and resist sin, you can now go on to lead others into freedom too as a healthy disciple making healthy disciples because you're tasting 
freedom yourself. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this message, this word that the enemy tried to steal. God, you redeemed. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you're planting this word in our heart, Lord, in our mind, that we're not going to be just hearers of your word, but we're going to be doers of your word. So, God, we just ask right now, like I prayed earlier, that you strengthen our bodies to be a healthy disciple, making healthy disciples for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.